Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me in spirit only today for the first time ever, folks, so you know he's really sick. Jim Stam, conspicuously (laughs) missing. No, he did not just trim his beard and dye it. This is the fort. This is a different person. So (laughs) welcome to the show, the fort, Michael McHenry. We already had this plan, so he's not just jumping on to save me here. We actually were going to talk to him side by side, but it's actually good because I got so many questions. Maybe I don't <laughs> need a second voice asking, man. How uh, are you? I, I, I'm good. I don't think I can replace him, though. I mean, no, you know, he's Nobody a legend. Replace, and, Jim. And, and the fact that he misses today, he's either, you know, deathly sick, a servant leader with his family because he said his whole family's sick, or he just didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> Those are the only three options here, right? I mean, maybe That's he didn't it. like your answer on one knee catching. I mean, we'll we'll get to it later. But yeah, I, I get I, it. I mean, but we 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 will compromise. We like talking. We like debating. You know, I think that's what you know. Baseball needs more than ever. Obviously, the world needs it too. But you should have things that you don't agree with. And I've been you, listening to your new show, man, with with Jumping Jack Flash. That's, yeah, I think it's going to turn into a segment. Um, uh, we're both so busy. Um, yeah. I want to do a lot more interview stuff and, you know, start talking to old teammates and do some different things. So I'm going to do some things really cool this offseason. And then Jack is going to continue to be more of a, a feature. We'll bring on guests and banter. It, it's a lot of fun. That dude is one of a kind. Um, yeah. I, I can't speak high enough of him. And I hope some way... Listen to me, pirate fans. Make loud noises that we can get a bunch of ex pirates back around the guys like AJ Burnett, Neil Walker, Madcaps on the field, and especially a guy like Jack Wilson. I think it's so important that personality, it's just contagious. He he pulls the best out in people. And I think he did as a player, he does it as a coach, and he does it as a dad and a friend. So I'm I'm really excited where that could go. Well, absolutely. So hey, listen to uh Flash Forward. It's already up there around you know, a few episodes of it. Check yeah, we'll it out drop another one next week, but you are more important for me this week. <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure people understand that uh, the fort is in demand. I mean, he's been making the rounds. And my dad always said, if if you're really good at talking and have things worth saying, a lot of people are going to want to hear from you. So there's no secret <laughs> as to why the fort is popular making the podcast circuit right now. I want to talk some technical baseball stuff with you. Just some, yeah. some stuff that I love that you do is you break down those segments on AT&T Sports and you would show us little tiny God, God things. God rest about, its soul, right? God yeah, rest its soul. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you want to get into that. We can we, later. We, we will because I, I think if, you know, whoever is listening, you said there's, you know, already some people waiting. I'd love to hear what they think. You know, there's a different format. It's been well documented. I'm not sharing anything that, you know, most people already know. I can give you a little insight, but... Yeah, I'd love to know what the fans want, and and I hope it gets back to ownership and it gets back to nesting, gets back to MLB because there's something special about Pittsburgh. There's something special about regional networks. The intimacy is is different, right? And I think yep. we need to talk about it. I think we need to make loud noises. A lot of times, we just allow things to happen, you know. And and as fans, we shouldn't, you know. I, I say that as a fan, as a former player, as an analyst, coach, all of it. We should make more noise. Because we pay the bills, right? Even I though would agree. you guys help pay my bills, the reality of it is, is I'm a huge fan. I don't think we be louder about things like the the blackout issue on the MLB right. package. I mean, things or the like blackout that. blackout at the stadium. 
I think go miles in reverse for spreading this game. You know, I, I think there's a lot of things they make missteps. Well on said, like that. sir. But we'll see how this all turns out. Um, I don't. I, I wish that I had good faith that it was going to turn out great, but I've seen these things go badly in the past. So I'm I'm going to just hold my breath and hope before I get upset about something. Yeah, we'll see. We'll yet. see if we get there, and if it's anything like last night uh, or two nights ago, there was a lot of you know bantering, and I got hot about a couple <laughs> different things. So um, I'll give you an opportunity. Fun. Yeah, let's start with one that gets me hot. I think people constantly have an inclination to throw everybody that looks like they don't have a natural position at first base and just pretend it's going to make it. You know, it's going to work. Why can't you just toss a guy at first base? Let, let's just say Henry Davis makes all the sense in the world. Big bat, you know, you're going to want. You're at least developing it. You're going to want it to be able to play every day. Right field didn't look comfortable. Maybe it will be with time. Catching didn't look comfortable. Maybe it will with time. First base is a drastic need. Why can't you just throw a guy like that over there? Why wouldn't a team? Um, it's the want to, and then it's the production you got to think about. I mean, they don't throw guys over there because they can't hit, right? Or they don't have a better position, right? Like uh, I'll use Carlos Santana, right? Former catcher. He he was really athletic, moved well, didn't call a great game as a youngster. And the only really path for him to get to the big leagues and stay was play first base. Um, he was a defensive liability when it came to blocking, um, had a bazooka but very similar to Ryan Doman didn't throw out a ton of guys as he moved up the ladder. So his natural fit because he had good hand-eye coordination was to put him at first base, but his diligence and his work ethic and his willingness to grow in that and want to do it is big key. Go always back to the player. Where do they feel? Even if they say the right things, do they believe it? Right. Is their agent and the other voices that are chirping in their ear, you know, saying the right things or moving them to first base. Does that push them away? especially out of the Pittsburgh uniform. I think you kind of Even find that him, balance. At his age, Carlos Santana, you bring up, this was by far his best defensive season he's ever played. Yeah. And he did some things different. You know, he yeah. was still open-minded. I mean, I sat down with him and he was listening to KY. He was listening to Kutch. He was listening to different things from all of us. And I was just like, wow, this is cool. And I was just throwing little baby tidbits in because I played first base a little bit with Colorado and Tampa Bay. And it is different. It is a different position with all the moving pieces, right? Like Triolo said something that I thought I was crazy for thinking is don't watch the ball. When the ball's hit, you can't watch the ball anymore. And then you have to understand more than ever what type of ability your pitcher has, which you don't have to worry about really in any other position in the infield except catcher. You have yeah. to worry about how well does my right fielder move and my second baseman move to understand what I can get to, what I can't get to, especially if you're a really good athlete and you're young. Yeah. I would argue that you're going to see Triolo, Piguero, possibly. You may even see um, Indy Rodriguez play a little bit first base. I do not think you'll see Henry Davis. I think maybe in the long term. I think that guy should catch. I, I, I'm doing a process right now to get connected with him. I want to mentor him. I want to love on him. I want to tell him you're a catcher. You've always been a catcher. You want to be a catcher. Do not fight for anything else, but to be that catcher and you'll hit. I just okay. think he's, he's very analytical. He's very intelligent. And I don't know where the separation is. I didn't get to see him catching the big leagues, except what those three or four innings. Um, 
he can't be so bad or so unfixable that it won't work because of his personality, period. His personality is a go all in, all out type of personality. He was ready to go to Pirate City two days after the season. He's a different bird. I mean, he goes and hits on off days. I mean, that's what Ichiro did. I did that once or twice. Like, we're different people. And he's a guy that wants to win so bad. He'll do what it has to take, but he has to understand there's a fight for him now as much as there is for the team. And that's a good balance I think he needs. That's well said. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's pick up there because I did want to move into Henry moving behind the dish. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. brother we are back with the fort here on the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports i wanted to get into um a little bit of uh the the catching debate with henry davis because there's a lot of people that i think they feel like they've seen enough from Andy rodriguez to feel like he's gonna be the starting catcher he's ahead of henry it stands to reason he'll probably still be ahead of henry when he gets to spring training, because it's not like Andy's not going to work too. Right. So, yeah, and, and there's no real reps for Henry unless he goes play plays in winter ball. Right. So I guess like my feeling on the matter was, well, it's mostly about the bats to me. Andy looked to me like he had taken big strides defensively. And I actually thought you saw visible progression just from the time that he played in the majors this year. Maybe Henry would have done the same thing. But for whatever reason, they never trusted him back there. And in those couple innings we saw and the few innings that we got to see in Altoona and Greensboro and everything, he doesn't look fluid back there. Hey, let me let me stop you real quick there. Like being a guy that didn't play every day in the big leagues. It one, it's not easy to catch in the big leagues. Two, think about two and a half, three weeks in the big leagues and not not catching, not going to your natural position and then being told by AJ Przinsky and everybody else that can say it out loud, how bad you are behind the plate. But yet he was an all American in college. He was a one, one draft. Mm -hmm. He's got a bazooka. He's a great athlete. He's a, he's way above average in almost every category when you put him behind the plate athletically. So make it make sense, right? So yeah. I could put him theoretically, if I send him to middle Tennessee, I could put him at shortstop. He'd be our best player, right? Almost yeah. any place he goes, he's one of the best athletes, even on the pirates. I just think he has to understand who he is without all the voices and without the opportunity, which I I'll say this. And I've said this to anybody that'll listen, including front offices. You did one thing for one guy and something different for the other. They both took a regression for me in one way or another. So Henry defensively, 
even though I think it's going to be a huge pump forward for both guys, they accepted what they did, right? And then Hindi, uh, Indy completely fell off a cliff with his offense. Right. It's not just in the big leagues. It was in the minor leagues. That guy right. was the best, the best offensive player in all the minor leagues. He was he was Matt Holiday's son last year. Think about that. That's the numbers he was putting up. Absolutely. And then he comes out this year and it's like, oh, you're going to catch. Why change it? Why not try to re- replicate that in the big leagues? He would be an MVP caliber type player if he replicated what he did last year. Think about it. And I mean, that's, I, that's I, where I, I get say, confused, right? I can say this this catching situation has confused me going back. And it, really, and it happened in spring training. To the beginning of this season. Does that make sense? It, they yeah. made a decision in spring. And I, I know there, there was a giant debate. I think if you kind of go back, maybe they make Indy, you know, part of the team right out of the gate. He's playing some second base, just like he did in the minor leagues, playing some outfield, playing some first base. But you had a lot of older guys that you had to get in there too. And sure. then they started out really, really well. And that screwed both those guys into moving in a direction because when the players throw a giant wrinkle in the plan, especially in a positive way, weird things happen. And that's right. that's what we saw. And I, I think the front office did an incredible job with a lot of things. And you know, I think it got overwhelming and those guys kind of lost who they were a little bit this year, but I saw them find it the last month. I, I really didn't did. expect to see Henry last year, to be honest with you. I thought if we saw him, it would be in September, you know, for, for a thank you for a great, good progression in your, in your development season. I thought Andy would be up relatively quickly around the two, the, I thought the, it'd be flip the super too. two level, yep. you know, but and I don't believe in that status anymore, by the way. I, I hope that in the next bargaining agreement, they just squash that. I hate I, that. Status. They had an opportunity, man. I, I mean, they're, I they're never they going to, cause like it, it's, it's money. Right. And MLB doesn't want it to go away. Cause they don't lose anymore. Go, go look at that last year. They did not lose. So. You know, I agree. But, I, you know, I think there's a lot of changes to the system that need to take place over time, but a lot of unintended consequences with some of the fixes that they've they've done too. Well, so. It's it's a monopoly. If, if you don't know that as a fan, um, when they vote on the rules, when they vote on a lot of these things, it's, it's 12 people and eight of them are MLB right. you know, guys and ladies. So, so circling back to Henry, we, I think we both understand the history of how we got here. You know, he pushed his way on with his bat. Andy kind of pushed himself back with his. And they made it more of a defensive progression year for him. Mm-hmm. And I think he did that. To his credit, I think he did turn into a catcher this year. So much so that I felt like, okay, well, you know, you got to you got to go all in with figuring out what you're doing with Henry then if that's what you're doing with Andy. And and Andy, I think both cuz yeah. You gotta you gotta ask this question. If he hits like he did in that last eight games, you gotta have him in the lineup more consistently. Mm-hmm. You gotta think about what Darno and uh Murphy were able to do when Murph like there was times where both those guys need to be in the lineup and you had a chance to, you know, DH Murph. I know uh Darno's actually taking ground balls. He he has the ability to, you know, play second base. He has really, really good hands. He doesn't move as well. But like that's something you look at and you're like, wow, we have two guys that maybe could be better. And I think Henry Davis could be a league average or maybe just below as a right fielder or even better. But if he's catching, maybe right at league or a little bit below because it'll take a little bit of toll on him. Same thing with Indy. If they can be so, average in other positions to keep their bat in the lineup, because I, I think they have value there more than they do at DH, 
And I'll tell you why it, down the road, but I, I would love to see that. Think the dynamic and then you have delay allowing them to pinch hit because you're going to have to carry three, allowing them to kind of move in and out. He could face the tough guys because delay doesn't care. He does, it doesn't really matter who he matches up well with. So now all of a sudden you are literally the best catching tandem in all of baseball. I would even try Fecta because now, you have a defensive oriented guy and a smart dude who's believing in himself. And then you have two youngsters that could be the next version of the Atlanta Braves catching tandem, but better athletes. Here's where I question that. I think I see what you're saying. I see the vision, but here's where I question that with this team, they play so much value in that starting catcher being like a stalwart back there. Mm -hmm. And all of the study that comes with that, that we've seen those top end guys do. And a, a lot of what Andy was learning to do last year, hands on. Mm -hmm. I think that take away from his from his hitting a little bit to a degree because he can't focus on that. Plus, he's a pinch hitter or a switch hitter. That's harder in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So I expect Andy's bat to struggle as long as he's trying to do that. Can you afford to be doing that with both of them at the same time? Is is kind of what I'm asking at the big league level. I think. That might be asking a lot of both the pitching staff and the catching position on a team that is expecting itself to win next year. Well, you have to make the choice, though. So um, I, I'm saying maybe Henry becomes the next Corey Dickerson, right? Um, somebody brought up signing Kiermaier the other day. Not that it was brilliant because I watched Kiermaier. One, he worked with me in left field and Corey Dickerson. And then the next year... I'm retired and I'm watching Corey Dickerson win a gold glove in left field, who by far is the worst major league outfielder I'd ever seen up to that point. There's no reason that Henry Davis can't be a above average right fielder, but you also want to think about you're going to bring Kutch back. He's going to play outfield. He wants to play outfield. You're a better team with him out there. He's more of a director out there, but I think those two having that opportunity and Kiermaier being there as a, you know, extra, and the defensive oriented guy would be an opportunity to make Henry way better, make Kutch way better, make Brian Reynolds way better, and Sawinski go off the charts. Because Kiermaier could be a plus defender anywhere you put him in the outfield. Huh. It would change who he is a little bit, but he's one of the best defenders that's ever made graces on a field, if you look at his numbers. See, so, I like Michael Taylor. But <laughs> I like Michael Taylor too, but when I'm talking about the leadership side of it, I don't know yeah. Taylor well enough. I, I'll, ask, I'll ask around. But yeah, I love his defense, and you can't argue with that. But when I look at a guy that can change the people around him, I know Kiermaier can. I've seen it. He's you a different a, breed. You want to do a few listener questions here? Yeah, let me let me let me round that out for you. So what I would say is the value behind the plate is 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 huge. But I think we saw this year, you know, the fans had enough with Hedges. I mean, the dude would have won a Gold Glove if he stayed here all year as a catcher. He would have won, no doubt in my mind, National League. But I think trying to find a balance to where you can get the best version of their defense and offense and then also set them up for success is what you want to do. So however that plays out, I just think you keep it open to try to maximize their potential because both guys have shown in the minor leagues an offensive capability that can change a lineup. And you can't take those guys out. We're not the Atlanta Braves. We don't right. have Olsen. We don't have Acuna. We don't have five guys with 30 homers yet. So you can't take right, out. I think I might have a follow-up here, but I want to get to some of these here for you. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? First one is, hey, Fort. Oh, it makes total sense to me. 
Yeah. Ryan Lytle asks, hey, Fort, other than PNC Park, what was your favorite ballpark to play in? The other two that I called home, uh, Denver and uh, I hate to say it, but St. Louis. But I loved playing in Philadelphia because um, I hit well there. I hit well in Miami, so I like playing there. Anywhere you hit well, you like playing. But when I, when I think about ballparks, fans, I always think about Pittsburgh, Colorado, St. Louis. I made my first start in St. Louis, called up with Colorado. So it's special. And I think St. Louis does it right. I really do. I think they always have. Here's just a compliment for you. Love that he can hear a little bit of hurdle when he hears Michael talking about other players. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, reconnect with hurdle. Um, really trying to learn the game better and see it from different angles. He's involved in a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. I think he's one of the best leaders of men in, in the entire world. And I love what he's doing right now. I spent a lot of time with his family. He signed a contract with the home team is what he said. I thought that was pretty cool. Douglas asks, uh, he's curious how much you interact with uh, Baker, the head of development, and what you think of him. Um, I loved Baker as a player. I haven't got to know him in this format as, as well uh, with COVID and everything else and you know how how full his plate is. We've texted. Um, I was supposed to get down to Altoona and, and, and try to get together with Henry and do some stuff with him during the season, we could not work it out. We were stretched thin at AT&T and with the pirates, with the broadcast team. So I'm open moving forward. I work with a lot of other, other guys, um, communicate with quite a few of the major league staff consistently and then across baseball too. So, um, I, I hope to do more, but he is a grinder. He works his tail off and literally, you know, he gets up early, goes to bed late and he's trying to bring a winner to, to Pittsburgh and make a name for himself. So I, I love I love the fact that he does all the things Pittsburgh represents, in my opinion. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question, and I, this might sound out of left field. If Mitch Keller were coming up to this team in 2024 for the first time as a rookie, would he get as much grace as he got to get where he is right now? And how often does that happen in this game? Too often, not as often as it used to. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's lack of talent, but they are willing to give guys. Actually, it's probably development. It's probably analytics and what they see because you can see numbers and you're like, wow, if he just does X and Y, his comp or his ceiling is really high. And they're trying to do a better job of finding guys with really high floors. Because that's what makes right. a great team. And I think the best teams have glue guys. You know, the play and Keller's one of those guys you want to bet on because of his personality. You know, probably right now out in the cornfield running around with his, you know, Iowa Hawkeyes jersey on yeah. and, and, and thinking about, you know, shaping a pitch going into next year. You know, that's probably what he's doing. He, he's, he's a guy that loves the game, loves his teammates. I thought we got to see a good side of him this year with his personality, with the, uh, with the sword. And some yeah. of the things, the, uh, what the was money, it? the Pokemon, the money. Yeah. Like he's kind of behind the scenes and he's coming out needs, of the shell a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think he's ever going to be out front, but he gets guys going and he brings fun. And I, I didn't see that coming. Right. But that shows I, him figuring it out when it comes to his personality, which we've talked before. I've always thought that was his number one default. Like when is he going to take control of who he is, who he wants to be as a player when he does, it's going to be nasty. He did look like he he found that 
that leadership deal that was just inside of him. Right. Yeah. So another guy that I felt carried some swagger that he kind of earned as the season went on was Oviedo. It's my dude. Now Oviedo, I heard, and I, I'm going to give you full credit because from the beginning of the year, you were raving about some things about him and he definitely shoved all year. Yeah. I so ask you yourself that same down. question. Ask yourself the question you just asked me about Keller. 2024, Oviedo comes up and does 2023. Is he, is he getting a chance? Absolutely. Right. Right. But they were going to write right. him off. Yeah. They're going to write him off in spring training. I mean, that's that's the craziness about the game. And that's when you have to get to know the human being. Know his story. I mean, the fact he came over on a boat and you could see him light up and see how much he cared for his family and they were here. Dude's never started, never struggled, always put up good numbers. And he's had his back against the wall every step of the way. It's like people didn't want him to succeed. And that's why he was getting mad at the end of the year because he's finally seeing that I'm really good. I'm really good and yeah. I could be better, but I don't need to listen to everybody. I don't need to be so overcoachable. I don't have to, you know, accept what I had in Cuba. I can accept what I have here. And he feels that freedom, you know, to throw a little patriotism into this. No, I love it, man. I love it. It, it, it was cool to see because I saw yeah. him turn into a raging bull. And then I also saw him, you know, dancing around and, you know, come up and give me a hug. And I hadn't seen him in two weeks or said a word to him. And it's because he heard something through the grapevine and said, thank you. I mean, he's a great kid. But that, to me, the beauty of, of Oviedo's story this year was, I, and I, what I, one of the biggest things I felt like he got out of Rich Hill was that mm. it was completely okay to be the nastiest SOB you feel like being on the mound if, it, if that's what gets you going. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. just took that. And you could see early on, he didn't have that. He was trying to keep that inside and hold that beast back and then as he got more comfortable and he saw rich do it, he was just like, nah, I'm all in. And he just went out with the emotions. It was great to see. You, you know who impacted him the most? Who's that? Andrew McCutcheon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked to Andrew McCutcheon about Oviedo as much as anybody except him and the organization this year. And his ability to talk to him from the standpoint of a, of a hitter, gave him a value he didn't understand. And then, you know, I was throwing in pitching and catching stuff that Kutch would share. And then we'd banter back and forth. And then I never asked what he said. I would just watch. And they would, they would conversate constantly. So he migrated to this. Think about this. This is when you know a guy wants it. He migrated to Andrew McCutcheon and Rich Hill. Yeah. He tried, to, he tried so hard, especially towards the second half, to avoid all the coaches. He wanted to talk to the guys that he could – get something different from that had nothing to lose by telling him the truth. And that's when great teams come together. When the coaches become a tool and not necessarily a development, like guru, like we have some great coaches, but like right. you want those players to be coaching themselves. And I started to see it towards the end of the year. And man, I got so fired up, especially with him. And I think that's the biggest growth with Indy you're going to see next year is him that's taking control. That's probably another thing that I guess I would want some understanding from you on. You've always been very forgiving, I think, and patient with Andy Haynes and the system. Mm -hmm. I would ask you just simply, what is the Pirates' offensive identity to you? 
like maybe okay they can't execute it because of the type of talent they have in place but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day perfect world they get the players they want to get what what kind of offense are we looking at here um well you got to look at our field first so you're naturally going to take a huge hit as a right-hander at PNC naturally. And it sucks, especially if you're a power guy. So when Neil Huntington and that crew was here, they tried to combat the field, you know, cause if you win, you know, more games than you lose at home and you play 500 on the road, that's the theory that, Hey, that'll probably get you in the playoffs. So they tried to de- develop hitters or draft hitters with good contact ability um, didn't really care much about the on-base percentage at the time. And then when the new regime came in, all the new came in, right? And it was yeah. overwhelming up and down the organization. And then you're bringing in new guys like Andy Haynes. When Andy Haynes came in, he was a giant wrinkle to the organization because his offense had come from Madden, Cubs, Theo, all across the board. And he had played every single role and won everywhere he went. So when he came in, he took on a role that he shouldn't have taken on because that's who he is. He's pouring into everybody, but he can't with the players in 2021 because he wasn't allowed to because the stupid MLBPA and MLB, you know, throw that wrinkle in there that you can't talk. And then all of a sudden, 2022, he's flying to San Diego. He's, you know, a big part of the reason why Joe and his uh, change in his swing and why he was able to hit um, higher velocity. But all that to be said, he doesn't want the credit. He'll never ask for the credit. He's one of the smartest dudes I've ever met when it comes to baseball top five. And if I was going to start a staff, I would hire him. Okay. But he's not. It wouldn't be a hitting coach. He'd be a bench coach or a manager. And that's one of the issues he's had with some of the places he's been. And you know, you have to be who you are. What he's great at is pulling out the good and and sometimes even the great and who the individual is if he's allowed to. And that's a bunch of the coaches, you know, they, they, they can only do so much because there's so many other elements. So when you come to the identity, they are trying so hard to be the identity that they are instead of going out and being a big bopper, right? That's big market teams are always going to be able to do that. When we get O'Neill Cruz, you lock him up. When Indy shows a sign that he's going to do his thing, you lock him up because that's, when our identity comes together with one heartbeat, because until then you have a bunch of dudes fighting for their life. And that's what I saw. It wasn't the coaches necessarily. It was the analytical department. It was the constant moving of winning and developing and, you know, trying to figure out who they were as a player and also staying in the league. You know, there, there's a, there's a case that Indy Rodriguez, no chance when I was playing in the big leagues would have stayed in the big leagues as a youngster this year. Because at one yeah. point he was hitting 200, no power, no walks, and his ERA was almost a six behind the plate. And he was negative in almost every value. And then he, but they believed in him. They trusted him. They sent him down. He, he did everything he asked, probably even to an extent he shouldn't have. And he got rewarded at the very end. You saw something different in the end because they said it's yours. And if they continue to do that, there's no coach that can stop these guys. There's nobody that can help them except themselves. They have to make the decisions on their own. That's what happened with Key Brian. Um, Because he has to make that decision as a star player and a money guy. There is no coach that can tell you anything. It's your career. You know what I mean? And most guys want to give you the tools to have success. 
some coaches they believe in and they want the heart. And that's Brian Reynolds with Andy Haynes. Andy Haynes is like his big brother. Same with Kalei. And you need that, but some guys can't handle that. And some guys won't go all in. And they, they don't necessarily trust or they trust too much. So there's a lot more to it. I do have a lot of grace. Like I have a lot of grace for Oscar. Oscar is a great developer. He had to come here and learn how to be a major league pitching coach because he's never done it. And you have to figure out a way to talk to guys about things you've never done. That's not easy. No, I'd imagine not. I think Oscar Marin has some some more visible wins on his resume, probably. And the no ego both those guys have. So and, and even Derek Shelton, those guys with no ego, I just want to gobble them up and throw them on every staff possible. Because if you look at the playoffs right now, look at the staffs. Yeah. Right? You see a lot of guys that would literally go to war for each other. And that's well, it's possible because I'm a big enough man to admit I'm wrong. I've been blaming Andy Haynes for a lot of things with the offense because, well, and that's you know, natural, right? right? It's natural, right? Like, that's, well, let me ask you, like, where where maybe blame should be pointed? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's maybe it's the player. You know, that's that, that's possible too, right? It seemed to be epidemic on this team this year and a little bit last year, regardless of who made it up, that they would struggle to swing at pitches that were way too borderline and too strike mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. It felt coached because it felt stubborn. And I just don't think there's that many stubborn players that make a collective like that to just watch it happen on an epidemic level. So what is that about? If that's not coached, Michael, I mean, like that's where my head goes. And again, I want to be told I'm wrong, but that that's more approach. That's more understanding of who you are in the day. Um, a Clint hurdle saying is you have to be your greatest self-evaluator. And I think we saw Connor Joe take a huge step forward because I've never seen any human being on the planet take so many strikes and strike out. But if you're going to mention Keller and think about the grace they had for him, if you give that same grace, that's the only way to grow in this game. I mean, I, I could, I could go on a pity party on all the chances I didn't get. You know, no, but that's I, I, why this is so hard to build a team it, the way they are. Because Michael, it, like just last year, I agree. I agree. You know, you know, when you do this sort of process, there has to be a year where you have what a lot of us, you know, normies would consider mm-hmm. to be the all-in youth movement year. That's mm-hmm. what 2023 was to me. Mm-hmm. It's why some people, I feel maybe got nudged out of the nest a little bit earlier than they should have and kind of left the flap a little bit. Like you talked about Andy Rodriguez probably could have been sent down, right? Well, they want to let him try to learn how to fly and hop around and catch his own worms a little bit. Right. Absolutely. So that's what 2023 was about. 2024 needs to be about building blocks on those. Plus probably augmenting with some veterans from outside. They need to win. In my opinion, they need to win. win. Right. But they need to win with a lot of this core. They're in, not going to the replace a lot of these kids. I'm going to say in the minor leagues too, because I, I think that gets unnoticed. Look back when we won the last championship in the minor leagues and what levels. Right. right. And then look at Tampa Bay. Look at the Orioles this year at AAA. Like the, the teams that are winning in the minor leagues, they're winning in the big leagues. It probably feels to me like if that championship was going to come, not to shoot holes in this theory, but just looking at the system myself, that championship would have come last year 
if it was gonna. And I believe that they missed out and called up most of that top end talent. And I don't believe they're going to leave Paul Skeens down there long enough to affect one. And I don't think Termar is going to last the whole season either. So I think that that ship might have sailed unless they get an organizational win from all these guys being blocked three, four, or five years from now. Oh, no. I, I think they should have the a top five, maybe even a top three double A and triple A team next year. I think they should be that good uh, to begin the year because think all the guys that have options in the big leagues that can't make the team. Mm-hmm. Like Bay. Like all these, there's so many dudes with options. The depth we built going forward is is ungodly. So we're gonna have better than four A players in the minor leagues, and that's that's a Ben Sherrington Boston um, old school approach. They pay more for guys, so like, don't be surprised if I'm gonna just use this name because I pray they sign him just for fun. Is Jay Hay overpay Jay Hay and say, hey, we'd love you to be here. Go to AAA if you don't make the team, right? Because yeah. stuff like that is where, if you want to know where blame is, that's the blame. Go all in on being a pirate. Go all in for the city. Retire Neil Walker on that field one day. Retire <laughs> AJ Burnett as a pirate. It's so important. Retire Jack Wilson as a pirate. Because those guys need to see more of what they saw this year when Palacios hit the, his first home run. We win the game. The blackout game. The cutch day and AJ and Russ come in the first day with the black. They need to see that because that's going to make guys sign here long-term. That's going to make them take less money like David Bednar. Sign him now. Yeah. Like, that's where we missed because the fans deserve it. The players deserve it. The front office deserves it. And the biggest reality of it all is they need to be as transparent as possible. And the players have to be that first because it's so hard as a collective group to dish out all the plans if you're not super transparent with the player first because at the end of the day it's your career it's you, you're playing for the pirates today tomorrow you're playing you know for a different team i mean think about it. rudy castro is going to win possibly a ring yeah absolutely man right? so is austin it, it, hedges in the running for one and right it changes so fast and players don't realize that until it's too late and then all of a sudden they're like but now i'm good i get to make my decisions I'm empowering my career where at the beginning from the day you show up after getting drafted, they take control. Everything's controlled. Your pitch count, your mobility, your workouts, everything. You got to push back. It's your career because that's one team. And do they all have your best interest? I could say, I don't have my best interest all the time. So that accountability is important. And those questions are important. And I think that's where we made the biggest mistake. Because well, it's I love always it, somebody's Fort. fault. I love it, Fort. And despite some of my questions in, the, in my tone sometimes, I'm bullish on next year. So that's what we're going to talk about when we come back from this next break. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects.
All right, we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. My my cats put on a little show during the break, and they stopped just in time there. They are we're getting territorial in the you office. You go viral. You go viral if you showed them. Nobody <laughs> loves a good cat video. Come on. I'm not. I don't have the technical acumen to flip this camera fast enough to catch that. But um, <laughs> <Me either. laughs> I so it. I I actually like the chances of this team which I do think is legitimately going to return most of the talent that, that I think we saw last year. I think that's going to make the majority of this team next year. I think they'll add back in catch. I think a couple veteran starting pitchers, probably. Do you have any names? I, I ask everybody. I Oh, I'd yeah. love Jordan Montgomery, but I just think it's probably reaching. Yeah, he, he, he pushed himself out, and, I, and I, I doubt he wants too. to come back. Yeah, uh, Jack Flaherty. Seems like a guy yes. that, I, yes. that I think uh, Marin love that have one. some success with, with that two-seamer that he likes to throw. He's um, Oviedo 2.0. Yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like they really do have to get a lefty. So maybe maybe go trade trade for somebody or, or something along those lines. I like um, oh the kid in Philadelphia. He got traded there from the Tigers, and I can't remember his name right now. Where's 21? Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen. Oh, I think yeah. would be a good signing as well. I thought he had a good season overall with Detroit, and after getting traded to the Phillies, I, I'd love, I'd love him. I, I just can't. See. I've wanted him the last couple of years. I just don't know where he fits because our bullpen, even those young guys that really struggled, that stuff, man. That's kind of why I floater. like him. That's kind of why I like him though, Fort, because he he's like Vince to me. Which if Vince is going to be healthy, I'd I'd I actually like consider doing that again. Because I know he didn't have the full UCL, so if he's going to be ready for spring, I'd be open to that as a thought. Because what I'd love, I think it's important. You have Keller and you have Oviedo. I think if you say, I want to win next year, which Charrington did, you have to put put some kind of steady platform out there. So you've got to augment that starting rotation. Mm -hmm. you got to leave one spot for a kid to win, though. Right. So that fifth spot would be like Ortiz, Contreras, Priester, mm -hmm. Jones. Let them fight mm -hmm. it out. Right. Solomedo, even throw mm -hmm. him in there. Oh, you forgot one of my favorites. Which one? Best waiver claim this year. Which one? From the LA. I want, I want you to throw him out there. Oh, Jackson. Yeah. See, yeah. I thought Jackson kind of showed me he was not going to get third time through. So I kind of figured they might use him almost with an opener or as an opener to take like the first three innings, three plus innings on occasion, which they easily could play their fifth rotation spot that way. So throw him into the mix too. But eventually that's for Skeens to kick the door and that other, that, that fourth guy, if he could be a guy that swings to the pen, like Michael Lorenzen or even mm -hmm. Vince at some point, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yep. Don't forget JT. He'll be back in July. I I mean I'll believe that when I see it. I know I, I know I, the I know the schedules. I just I never like to announce TJ returns. That's why I get worried because. Well, he was throwing. I'll, I'll give you some really good insight. He was throwing a flat ground um, about a month ahead of schedule. Um, Sweet. The Vic Black, I believe he's still. Our, him and some other guys that played and really had issues with the Tommy John rehab have completely <laughs> revamped and revitalized something that is so old. 
And you're going to see guys get back and be stronger than they ever have immediately. You know, you always, you know, when guys come back, a lot of times it, it, it seems like they just don't have it. It's slow. You're going to see guys with big league caliber rehab ability take off. Like, I mean, really take off faster than normal. Usually I think it takes six months after you start really right. pitching in games to find your feel because you lose feeling in your hand sometimes. A lot of different things can happen, but now it's different. Um, it's different. And I've had some, you know, a lot of really good friends that have had it over the last couple of years and the way they came back was unbelievable. So, yeah, like I thought Chad Cole came back with the stuff still. He still had the fastball and everything. He never really got the control back though, but he never he really had, had it. See, I think <laughs> he was getting it with the two seamer though there in that, in the season before his injury, he was starting to place that where he wanted and it made all the difference for him because if he could place that he was deadly and yep, I yep. at least felt like he had a bullpen future from that. Yeah. I always you know? saw him as a bullpen guy too. Like yeah. guy going 98, 99 you know, right. with a really, really good slider. So the bullpen looks to me like the back end could be shaping up to be very nasty boys esque, man. Like you got like your, your Charlton and Myers and, and Dibble set up back there with Bednar, Holderman and Majinski. And you could even throw in, I guess you could even throw in the lefty that, is probably going to get tendered, I would think, right? Um, Barucky? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't see how you don't. He took such a huge step forward, and he seems to be a great clubhouse guy, and he took the ball every day. You got to have guys, and that makes me think what you said with Lorenzen makes a lot of sense is sign as many of those guys as you can get because all it's going to do is build depth and growth. You can control some of those younger arms a little bit better, and we'll – will probably be better for it because I'm in, I, I'm in belief that the game is a young game, but you need the type of people around that pull the best out of each other. And a lot of these young guys don't know how to do that. Right. Um, they're not taught how to do that anymore. Like it's, it's not so much a team aspect from go when you're 12, you're going to showcases, you're chasing numbers. You don't learn how to move a guy over. You don't learn how to bunt. You don't learn how to get hit by pitches. I had to teach some kids that last year. It was remarkable to me, you know, because <laughs> they just want to hit dingers. But the reality of it is you are where you are. Like Aliko Williams, a different team. He may get a chance every single day because his defense is that good, but not on this team. If he's right. on this team, he's James McDonald. You know, he's sitting on the bench and he's going to play defense every single game and get a hundred at bats, maybe, you know, but that's because we're winning and that's identifying where you're at and identifying the right people. If he's not the right guy to do that, you can't do it. And most young guys can't do that because that's a very humbling moment when you tell yourself, I'm a bench player. I, I remember the day I did it, but it changed my career. And I, the only reason I did it is because I kept being told things differently. The numbers told me things different. The fans told me things different. My agent, my family, even the front office, other teams. So I believed in what I was hearing and I, of course, wanted to believe myself until it kept not happening. But one of the best signings they ever made was Russell Martin, right? They made the uh, team yeah. better. They made the team better. So now I'm a backup, but if they would have done it a little bit different, we both would have succeeded earlier and it would have been paid dividends more, I think. And you could ask him the same question because I'll never forget that moment when we walked in the office and he said, dude needs to play more. We're better for it. I played I mean, more. You, he played you better. had a career seven twenty five OPS, so I was just going to ask how your knees were. My knees are good. A lot of surgery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I mean, dude, you actually plugged a little bit, man. Like 2.4 war career. Not bad, man. I, I appreciate stuff. it. But that's, that's the thing I would say. Um, Gary is like, it's, it's just looking at it for what it is. And if you can go out and make your team better and spend a little bit of money, then you can trade them. That's where the game is now. Yeah. And now it is. Now, it is. The fear is, is the, is the pirate way, right? Pittsburgh is different. You, you go and trade a fan favorite, like say Palacios comes out. He, he ends up getting a chance to start because, you know, we we're, we're thin. Something weird happens, right? Like Brian Reynolds has to take the first two weeks off. He goes ballistic. Yeah. Teams are calling. We trade him. The fans aren't going to understand that, that we just got, You're right. you know, something that we really needed and we have more depth in the outfield, but we can't do that now. But if we had Lorenzen and other guys like Kiermaier and stuff, that changes the team because you have other guys with energy. You have other guys with, you know, talent, not just on the field, but talent with people talent with the media, all those things matter. And that's what takes you to the next level. Because I mean, the goon squad's crushing right now in Philadelphia. Those dudes are a bunch of goons playing with each other. They love each other. And they literally look like they're playing summer ball. You don't see that in the big leagues anymore. Yeah, they're having a good time. And it is very strikeout, strikeout, home run, home run. It does feel that way very much. But it's who they are. And it's they who they it. are. It's to their identity. And then I think we've seen from the other side of the bracket, like the, the Rangers, a little bit more athletic. Mm-hmm. They're hitting home runs, but they they like to hit the ball around the park and run the bases a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Houston, a little bit older, veteran, wily. They just know what to do and when to pounce and when they sense a vulnerability and they just go in for the kill. It's it's kind of remarkable how how different teams have pulled this playoff season off. I would say in the national league, one thing I think I learned is what you do in the regular season to get those hundred and 110 wins or whatever, doesn't necessarily matter in those three game, five game series where you Mm -hmm. only need two good starters and an excellent bullpen. Correct. That's why, that's why when people say things about the cap, it, it does matter for other reasons, but not for winning. Not, not, not when it really matters. If you can get in the playoffs, you have a chance at baseball. Period. Yeah, I'd say it matters for winning consistently without having to go through a sometimes half decade long dip. Right, and that's why what you're seeing with the Pirates, and I think if they were more transparent with their markers, they're they're on par for what they what they believe they could do. And they've hit and they're even maybe exceeding it with a lot of hiccups. If they shared that with the fans, you guys would have hated it. Maybe even better for it, but they better win now because they put their backs against the wall. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. I'm literally fired up, sweating and red thinking about next year, not even knowing if I'm going to work for pre and post, if I'm going to be doing broadcast, if I'm going to be floating around. I have no idea I could be working for another team, but I don't want to because this is my home. I hope you do, man. I hope it all works out. Have you heard anything that you want to share? Is there anything you can share? They're negotiating. Um, th- th- there's a fight right now. MLB is is trying to take it over, and their format and look will be completely different than if Nesson takes it over. And if you're watching the hockey games, they do a great job. They're they're going to do a really good job of bringing the players to life. You know, I whether I agree with some of the first moves, you know it's business and they don't see human beings because they never met Rob King. They never met Robbie right, and right. Spikowski. They never met any of these guys that 
um, they let go of before they even, you know, started. That's just what happens. But, you know, bringing Rob King back, bringing Robbie back, um, and maybe even changing his capacity, doing more stuff in studio. Um, I think he's phenomenal at it. And then also, you know, floating around doing what he's always done. You're going to see a lot of different things with Nessa. And I don't think you'll see that those same things with MLB. It's going to be straight to the point broadcast go short pregame, short post games. I think inside pirates baseball dies. Uh, a lot of those things just wouldn't exist, but it opens up the door for people that are passionate and hopefully the pirates to push harder to, you know, give the players back to the fans and give this, the history, which I hope we tell way better moving forward of what we are. I mean, you asked early on, you kind of wanted to hear what the fans say I mean, yes, every please. week, every week I do a Q and a on, on my site about pirates. I would say every week I get five, six questions. Where am I going to be able to turn on the TV and watch my pirates? Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. That's all people want. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the streaming model would be a mistake at this juncture for baseball in a city like this. I think that they would be missing out on a lot of people that would simply just move to the radio. So, um, why not I do hope both? They're smart about that. Right. Like you should ask, uh, your boss DK this, why not do both is what I don't understand. Like MLB has the ability to say, Nesson, take it. We're going to take our cut, but nail that region down and we're going to open it up to the world. We're going to, we're yeah. going to partner with you. We're going to open it up to the world. They can watch pre and post and inside pirates baseball in Japan tomorrow. They can do that. Now they can, they have that ability, that capacity. Now the problem Michael, is I, I, again, I, I feel like this management of baseball right now, they have some good intentions. They have mm -hmm. some good ideas. I don't think they think them all through. Like letting the players participate in the World Baseball Classic, I think is brilliant for spreading the game globally. That brings me a question for you that I can't wait to ask you. So um having the 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 major league players potentially play in the twenty twenty eight Olympics is a you good went, idea. You, you went there. Go ahead. Tell me tell me why. And what you think, because I'm great, obviously, USA, crazy. The arm, the arm fanatic in me, the one that freaks out about 35% of all major league pitchers having had Tommy John at some point frightens me um, about adding any kind of stress to them whatsoever. I don't Do you think they're handcuffing them. I think, I think it's more of, what are we doing now that's causing this mess? And everybody passes the buck instead of taking control of where they're at. They pass the buck. Oh, it's because they were throwing this when they were 12. Oh, it's because they did all the showcase play. Oh, it's because the velocity. Well, they I'm all could be right. I know what I don't know. Um, but I've talked to pitching scientists about this. I've talked to pitching coaches about this. I'm sure you have as well. It's intimately something you worry about for dear friends. So, I mean, I'm sure mm -hmm. you care about it. I, I can honestly tell you, I, I think it's a little bit of spin. I think it's a little bit of velocity. I, I think it's a little bit of what used to be manly is now stupid. You know, like it used to be Preach. manly to pitch through something. And now that's considered stupid because you could really be hurting yourself. Dummy. Don't do that. You know, um, and, and you don't vice pitch versa. until your arm falls off anymore. <laughs> and, and vice versa, like, why not? 
I don't think guys know their capacity. That's like saying, Hey, uh, Mitch Keller, you've never pitched in October. Never, never in your entire life ever. Cause you didn't even go to college. So you didn't play fall ball. Never have you pitched in October after a September next year will be the first. And it'll be in the playoffs. Make that right. make sense. So well, that's, why he, made, that's why he made it such a priority to hit 200 innings this year, right. because we just saw Brandon fat for, for the diamondbacks pitch a gem through five and a third and have to get pulled because he's already at his in- innings limit and beyond. Yeah. So that, that begs the question is everything you look at in life, your health, my health individualized, right? All my knee surgeries either had to do with something outside of my control or my genetics. I never, I mean, I slid into a base, tore my knee in half, played at the plate, tore my knee in half, got a labrum from getting crushed, but like I didn't have surgery and I was fine. And my knees are great. I was squatting 315 pounds the other day, squat-tober. And the reality of it is, it's like everybody told me not to do that, but I'm in better condition and I can go catch 15 innings in one day like I did you know, last year at the fantasy right. camp because I went against the grain. I understood it for myself. And I, that's what I tell players to do is like, don't accept what they tell you. Do, do more by asking questions first. Seek out the greatest surgeon and the greatest PT and all the holistic things you can to try to maximize your ability to, you know, be the person you were or even better. And then when you get hurt, that's a blessing. It's a t- chance to slow down and learn who you are and really take a step forward that you never have to do any other time. So I think if players and agents really took control more of who they are, like I'd love to see a guy throw 300 innings one time again. And it, there's somebody out there that can do it. There's guys that they say, oh, he's got, he's got a rubber arm. You can throw every day. And I just played in a fantasy camp or coached fantasy camp. I had a 58-year-old. We played seven games. He pitched every game but one. Three, yeah. at least three innings. One day, one game he threw six. Every game, and he got outs. The velocity never changed, which is funny because we had that ability to see it. The spin never changed. Nothing changed. Well, that's the proof right there that you know that they don't necessarily understand what's causing it. Because if if there were a way to detect the preconditions that this was going to happen, we'd have it. And those guys wouldn't be getting big $300 million contracts. I mean, you know that as well as I do. So even if they do have that, there's incentive to hide that sort of thing, I would imagine, within the industry, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's it's just a challenge to, to think about. And it makes me think that we'll probably see rosters expand at some point to accommodate for what arms are being expected to do. And the other frightening thing for it is here's a game that is – on the other hand, talking about expanding itself again, and we already have a talent depletion problem in this league. That that's that's I think that's going to shift. Um, I, I do think it's going to be hard to keep guys on the field. Um, I have my own thoughts and theories on all of it, but I mean, Major League Baseball is getting their hands in everything, all the way down to youth. Um, so, like, we're going to see the product grow, and we're going to see it grow internationally. And I do think expansion's good. Um, and I think it'll help actually the talent pool grow. And the reason why I say that is because you're going to saturate it at first. You know, you're yeah. you're going to spread out a lot of talent. So instead of you know you having to face you know Garrett Cole, you know every fifth fifth day they're going to have to ro- rotate guys in because they're going to be playing all over the place. Like 
That's why I think you saw numbers go up this year because they played more teams. You can say it's the rules, but that was a bigger reason for me because the AL East got to go out and play, you know, more teams that they wouldn't normally play that weren't very good, you know, then yeah. same with the AL or NL East. And those guys feasted on those teams. Feasted. That was cool. I wanted yeah. to see Shohei come to town. You know, he didn't, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I would have loved that. And, you know, I, I went and saw two games when I was in San Francisco this year, like just right. because there was an odd matchup I really wanted to see. So right. lots of, I think the game itself is half healthy and more athletic than it was, you know, 10 years ago. I just, I worry about on the mound. It just doesn't seem sustainable. These velocities and, and mm -hmm. the spin that it, it's impressive. It's certainly getting outs, but it's, it's unsustainable to do with a 26 man roster. It just is. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill, and I had a really cool conversation. You may have heard this. Um, I've said a couple times is the, the art of throwing a touch and fill has died. The mm -hmm. art of not throwing a bullpen in between starts has died. The art of throwing a bullpen like Tom. I mean, I remember Smoltz, Maddox, Glavin, Clemens, all those guys would throw multiple bullpens in between starts. I mean, yeah. and like it would be different. And that's what they were doing in Tampa when I was there. Clemens that, has been a huge proponent of what you brought up earlier about guys throwing more, not less. Yeah. So. Like, and you can look at other, um, like I, I use Olympic weightlifting cause it's, it's a passion of mine, but those guys, they, everybody thinks their knees are bad. They're not. And it's cause they, they go full range of motion. They work so hard on their mobility. Your body's made to move properly. And right. a lot of times when you put that type of stress on it consistently, it doesn't move properly, but I can go in a big league clubhouse on any given day and there is more than 20 guys not taking enough time on their mobility not understanding their mobility they're doing what they're told but they don't understand hey if you do this you may throw three miles an hour harder today and i i, I got to see that live with a guy because i said hey try this this and this he went out there he was a high school kid he went from 78 to 84 85 well go talk to rwanzi please well but, <laughs> but, but that's the thing is like it's his that's where the 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 business side comes in is like it's his career and guys like Oscar and Andy and Rebello and these guys that are willing to take outside counsel and allow yeah. these guys and try to push these guys to go somewhere where they can keep up with it and 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 kind of be a part of what they're doing because they spend just as much time away from these guys as they do with them. Right. So like you can't control that, right? You you Absolutely. have to you have to put that trust there. So like giving them every available option which I think the Pirates medical staff, especially Todd Tomsick, does incredibly well, um, is so important. And there's no algorithm. There's no anything that can tell you what's right, wrong, or indifferent except you as, as an individual. Like if your arm hurts, does it hurt or is it actually hurting? There's a huge difference, right? Because right? most Tommy Johns come from your your hip or back got out of whack and you start getting outside your mechanics, putting stress on places that weren't stressed. Like there are some pitchers that would have had that funny bone incident that Mitch Keller had and been mm -hmm. done. They would have, yep. they would have shut themselves down immediately. Right. And that right. would have been probably four weeks of precautionary rest right. and then three weeks of building back up. And then they're finally back out on the field. Right. Right. 
You're exactly so right. It takes a special guy, right? Well, you've been more than generous with your time for it. But before you go, <laughs> I, I I can't run away, and I have to ask you. So you brought up the Olympics, yeah, 2028. Yeah. It's coming back to the United States for the first time, in, I believe three decades is, yep. is what 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 I think. You you want to bring the major league guys into the Olympics? Explain because, and if you want my opinion, I'll give it. But like. I, I love it. I love the World Baseball Classic. I want it every two years. I think it's great for baseball. I think a big reason we're seeing what we're seeing this year in growth is because of the World Baseball Classic. I want to see it. I don't want to see it when I know the timing would have to be. But does you it? I, if they can play it earlier in the season, like in the spring training, like they did the WBC, I would be more than happy with that. If, if that's the way they participate, I think that that's perfectly acceptable. If it's right smack dab in the middle of the season, especially as a, as a selfish Pirates fan who thinks that my team is going to be near the top of their peak right around then, absolutely not. I don't want my pitchers used in the middle of the season like that. You can send as many hitters as you like, so long as they don't play any meaningful games in that time. Well, what if they did exhibitions? Like there's, there's ways to go about it to make it work, to keep the guys fresh, keep them where they need to go. Um, but I'd love for them to get creative. And, I, and I'll tell you the biggest reason why for me is, and I, I see some things that, that you say, and you have a huge heart and I love that about you. Um, you do great work and you, you want people to have common ground. The United States is an absolute disaster when it comes to education, politics, MLB, MILB, all of it's a disaster. It's because we don't just love the person next to us. We don't just do the things we need to, and we don't come together as a collective group. And remember, that's why we are who we are. But that being said is, we're not the best baseball country in the world. Not at 12 years old, not at the major league level, not at any level are we ranked number one right now. Maybe 12, but collectively we're not. China is number one because their youth is incredibly disciplined and good. So what's going to happen? They're going to take off. Japan is number two. And then we're number three. Now let the Dominican and Venezuela start playing their players in all these world events, especially if you threw them into the the, uh, Olympics, which I think would be incredible. And we're going to let 2028 in L.A., Guys like me that played in the big leagues that they don't care if they get hurt, go fight to the death with the best players in China and Japan and the Netherlands. Cause all those dudes that are playing in the world baseball classic, if they can get on a team, they're going. Well, Michael, this is exactly why the dream team was formed. And yeah, exactly. In it was embarrassing. Yeah. Right? Because it was we're our game moment. and you were beating mm-hmm. us at it. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand exactly what you're talking about. I, I don't think this is something that is necessarily good for the Olympics. I don't think it's necessarily baseball is not a, a one game. Um, it's not a one game sport. It's a series driven sport. And it's really hard to execute series in an Olympic format. You know, you're at best you have sudden death. And we all know how bad we hate that for our own playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I think you're 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 running into a situation where 
a team like Italy because a bunch of guys will just claim Italian heritage and go play for them, right? right. I think that that's where you start setting up these weird situations where teams that aren't necessarily the gods of baseball win those situations. Again, well, to me, as long as it's not in the middle of the season, I'm happy. Yeah, and too, like those guys like play with each other a lot more. And, and the biggest thing for me is if you win a nine-year-old tournament, a world event in any of those countries, it's national news. Yeah. Right. Do you know, did the college team or the 18 U USA baseball team win win the gold this year? You have no Not clue. A clue. Right. Not a clue. That's sad. Right. Well, Michael, I mean, that's fairness and sports don't necessarily go hand in hand. For instance, last night or a couple nights ago, I saw the WNBA champion and it was the first time I had ever heard of their team name. And then I found out that they were back-to-back champions. Right. That's not my fault. I'm a huge sports fan. I'm on ESPN all the time. I'm on Twitter all the time. I, I'm watching sports constantly. Yeah, that but you know who won? I missed it. <laughs> right. But, but baseball-wise, that's that's your number one. You know, right? Like, you, you're, WNBA is competing with the NBA. You know, it's even competing with the big three at times. Yep. And then it's competing with, you know, men's and women's college of basketball. And you can argue that women's college basketball is more exciting because of the energy level. So like I get and that. They actually but, play defense and they actually shoot the ball and yeah. Right. But like when, when we're playing in Taiwan, like they, they have it available and they, they have media go, they, they do everything possible for their team to win. I think that's sure. why it's so important. You know, I think it's, it's huge. And what I think it could do, you know, seeing a gold medal with something that's not been here and that's our sport. They don't call it Japan's pastime. I, I mean, I'm somebody that's seen it played in Korea before. Um, it's an event. That's <laughs> it's, awesome. not, it's not like here. And, yeah. and I, I don't think necessarily a lot of people understand that. Like that it, it's the whole city. I mean, it's everybody just making noise, chanting. It's soccer there. It's, it's crazy good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, well, great stuff, man. Thank you so absolutely. much for taking the time and, Thank goodness, because with Jim being sick, I would have just been talking to myself, and that wouldn't have been fun for anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I always look forward to, we we usually do about two a year, I always look forward to the preseason and the postseason. Um, We we had to push it back a little bit longer than normal, but you do a great job. Uh, It's been fun watching you grow, um, ask tough questions, and and push back, because you need to, and keep doing that. Like Whether you think that coach is good or not, he should be questioned. Andy Haynes, yeah. I would I would go to war for Andy Haynes, but guess what? He's probably going to get fired again at some point, as will Derek Shelton and everyone else, because the best of the best get fired. You know, like that's, absolutely that, that that's the reality. I mean, Bill Belichick's won almost everything on the planet, and he's got more rings than you know the Lord of the Rings, and like they they despise him now because he can't can't win, and absolutely. there's so much more than one human being. It's like somebody told me the smartest coaching move Phil Jackson ever made was retiring when he did. Yep. So, and you know, you know, his philosophy, give them what they need and get out of the way. Yeah. It's not wrong. So, Hey, thank you so much for it. I'm still going to borrow my nephew, Ben. (laughs) All right. Perfect. (laughs) I'm still going to borrow my nephew, Ben, even though he's not here. Ben say, let's go bucks. Everybody here. Let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks!